Hello and welcome to Sunday Messages with Fairmount Friends Church. We're so glad that you are joining us. You can find out more on www.fairmountfriendschurch.org. Here's Pastor Brock Meyer. As Mary was sharing her heart and prayer concern and Bethany sharing just an ache, um, and just having a sense of the church family this morning, that there are a lot of aches, a lot of aches and pains, maybe even just getting out of bed this morning, but there's a lot of aches and pains inside of our hearts and things that we all have walked through in different seasons of life. Um, Man, it's just hard sometimes, isn't it? And I'm just reminded of God's faithfulness that he's that he's just still here, like he just keeps her going, you know, um, and he keeps, he keeps us going. In Psalm 23, he calls himself the good shepherd, and that he helps us right when we're in the midst of that valley of the shadow of death, he helps us get through it. Anybody been in that dark night of the soul? You, yeah. Mikey, you know, man. You were staring, staring death in the eyeballs. Um, and it's a miracle from Jesus and Nurse Nancy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you had a team. Uh, it takes a village to raise a Mikey. But it takes a village for all of us as a, as a family to just kind of keep going when we're sucking wind to, to keep, to keep kind of powering through. Um, in prayer this morning... We, uh, we, mentioned, we mentioned you, Bill. Bill and Patty. Um, got the visit with Patty this week and just what she's walked through physically. Then you rewind the tape a couple decades and, and there's the losing of a child. That just, they just say it just never, you just never totally heal. And if you've done, you've done that, you've walked through it. I, I watched my uncle and aunt, um, Kenny and Bonnie, walk through it. You just, you just never fully recover. We've seen multiple people, even here in our church family, that have lost, that have lost children. Um, I was thinking of LD and Betty as they lost Max. Um, this past week was Max's birthday, August 3rd. Um, he had been 59, 59 years old. Um, and uh, what a blessing Max has been in our, in our community. As I'm thinking about Max also, I look at like our, our West Wing and our East Wing, and it's like this is the MG Youth Sports Board is like here, <laughs> and the majority of the coaches. Um, and Max was like so into youth sports. Um, he was so into Madison Grant sports. This morning where we're going in our message, Pastor Andrew and I, we're going to be speaking and, and leading into a new series on this, the whole book of Titus. We're going to cover the book of Titus. The book of Titus is a leader book, and um, it speaks to a leader from a leader. The Apostle Paul is writing as the, the apostle, bishop, overseer of churches around the world. But he's writing to Titus, who is a leader that's overtaking this church in Crete. And Titus, his call is to raise up leaders and to engage into a culture that is very far from God. And I think about what makes up culture 
And so much of American culture is sports and athletics. It's perhaps joining the, the, the school board or the town board, maybe the sports board. It's being an influencer. It's being a leader wherever you possibly can be a leader. I was thinking that somebody that was really immersed in Fairmount culture and Madison Grant culture was Max. Max Hurt was that guy. Uh, Mr. Argyle, even, if you will, um, was Max. And how can we as a church, as people, be in the world, but not of the world, but be fully in it? Not that we have to participate in all of the the vileness and all of the unholiness, but to live right in the midst of it and try to make an impact where we are. I know that Max did this in my life, and I think perhaps if you grew up in the 90s, he might have made an impact in your life. Um, this past week, I looked up an article that I had written that was in the Chronicle Tribune about Max and about his life. And it's called The Voice of My Youth. And I want to read this article to you and see if we can make some parallel connections about how we can live in a culture and try to make an impact where we are. It goes like this. Some voices ring louder than others. And nobody had a voice quite like Max Hurt. They carry farther and they last longer, ricocheting down hallways and echoing through hearts, reminding us why that voice means so much. It is more than a sound, it is the person behind the voice that moves the emotions and calls action from our lives. Most people recognize the voice of their father, their mother, spouse, or child. After that, eight billion voices blend together like a symphony of chaotic beauty made from the choir of so-and-so and what's-his-name. But ask around Grant County if people can identify one unique voice that stands above the crowd, and they'll tell you exactly who is the voice. Three up, three down. Hustle in, hustle out, boys. Hustle, hustle, hustle. For years, Max Hurt called the play-by-play -play for Fairmount Little League and softball. In Fairmount, Hurt was the sound of summer. For years, uh, I'm sorry, small towns are notorious for having hands full of people who love and lead wherever they are needed. For Mad Max, his focus was on the youth of this small town. He was instrumental in developing the baseball fields, raising money for concession stand and pavilion, and getting a press box for the diamonds. He never had kids of his own. In some ways, the little Argyles running around the bases all summer served as Max's kids. He knew players by name. He announced happy birthdays. And he channeled his inner Harry Carey for animated calls at the plate. Holy cow! Whoa, Nelly! Max Daddy did not just speak about the kids, he spoke to them, the language of America's favorite pastime. He was at home in his press box, and from his perch he would preach, 
like a pastor from a pulpit was Maxie and his microphone. The voice was no stranger to Argyle's football games either. Saturday afternoon still carried the echo. Three yards on the play for a Madison Grant. In a funny way, Max Hurt was the narrator of our adolescence, the voice of our youth. Pitches, hits, touchdowns, childhood. What makes this man truly unique is that he's a medical miracle. After birth, doctors said that he would not live long. Riley Hospital saved the day when they put a catheter in baby Max. He wore that catheter the next 15 years, including to the ballpark and the swimming pool. Paying onlookers no mind, he developed confidence at a young age, turning the deaf ear to the cynics and the critics by not concerning himself with the opinions of others. No matter what illness crept up, and there were many, it never kept him from his true love sports and youth. In 1985, the biggest health complication came when Max needed a kidney transplant. Doctors said the kidney would only last 10 years. What they failed to take into account was Max is not normal. Max is a fighter. And he blew past 10 years in record time. This next September, which whenever I wrote this was in 2017, Max's kidney would have turned 32 years old. In fact, he's outlived the three doctors that put the kidney in. So who's got the last painful laugh now? More procedures would come. Mad Max had a cornea transplant and a knee replacement. The list of disabilities and illnesses he endured is longer than the first baseline. He has eaten more hospital food than the entire cast of ER. And for, the 50, <coughs> and for 53 years, he suffered well, rarely complaining about constant pain racking his body. In August of 2015, Max had a health scare that made everyone think the end was here. Rushed to the hospital, he ebbed and flowed out of comatose states. Hooked to tubes and machines, the doctor said that Maxie had one hour to pull out or he was going to have to be put on life support. The voice was unable to speak. Silenced, he relied upon family and friends to speak for him. He wanted to pray. Prayers were said, pleading with God to spare his life. Believing for healing, the group waited. Ten minutes before the hour was up, he came out of it. Life support was not needed. Jesus was strong and Max hurt that night. The miracle of Max resounded around the small town. Last summer, the town of Fairmount recognized Max's years of service by naming the Little League Diamonds after him. The town was invited to a ceremony. (coughs) Family, friends, and former Little Leaguers were on hand to witness the great honor. A plaque now hangs on the very announcer's booth that Max built 20 years ago. The plaque reads, Max Hurt Field. For the tireless efforts to the Fairmount Little League and the Madison Grant Argyles boys and girls sports. Posed in an Argyle overcoat, Max's picture is engraved reading, Mr. Argyle. 2017 had been a hard year for Maxie Boy. Multiple doctors, revolving doors at hospitals, 
and a growing count of, medical, uh, of medication each day. The unrelenting grind wears on a man after a while. Unfortunately and unbelievably, even a man as, in, as invincible as Max. August 3rd, Max celebrated his 53rd birthday. Hear that, doctors? 53 hard-fought, joy-filled, ornery, tough, wild, and wonderful trips around the sun. Nearly 100 people gathered in his front yard and around his bed to wish the man who was unlike any other a very happy birthday. And then it happened. The thing that we always feared would come, but never believed it actually would. The death of Fairmount's superhero. Being the sports lover and Argyle faithful that he was, Max's memorial was held at 2 p.m. in the place where it should be, Madison Grant High School Gymnasium. While the man died this last Wednesday, his voice still echoes on. It is sad to see him go, but in the words of the greatest baseball movie ever made, The Sandlot, heroes get remembered, but legends never die. Dirt blows across the diamond at Maxfield, Max Hurt Field now. The chalk lines have faded away, but in the air, I can faintly hear the voice of my childhood. Three up, three down. Hustle in, hustle out, boys. Hustle, hustle, hustle. You know, there's something about being all in. Yeah. <laughs> something about being all in on the place where God has planted you. Being all in. Man, if he's planted us here, let's grow and let's give back and let's serve, right? There's something about this past week that just made me kind of recount some of my memories with Max. My son this summer got to hang out a lot with Betty and LD because he's mowing their, y- their, their yard. He goes over there, mows their lawn, talks with LD a little bit, shoots some hoops. LD and Betty, I'm so grateful for you guys. And I'm grateful for people that show up with their full heart to a place to give the best of what they've got. We're here. Let's be all in. If you're here, be here. If you're in the Madison Grant area, be all in. If you're in Grant County, be in. If you're in, Mad- if you're in Madison County, be all in. If you're in Fairmount, friends, I just want to encourage you, be all in. Be in where you're at. As we go into our scripture here this morning, we see the Apostle Paul. He is this man that's got a vision for reaching people. And he goes on these missionary journeys. And as he, as he takes off towards Greece, the island of Crete, he begins to develop house churches that are kind of moving and, and, and shaking and doing some things. And while he is there, he plants one of his spiritual sons in Titus to be all in while you're there. And to be engaged in the culture. To be engaged in what's going on, but, but, 
but Crete was, was wild. Crete was full of, of sexual perversion and, and political corruption and, and, and all kinds of things that were going on in the day. And Paul said, I want to take a pastor, a leader, I want to plant them into this place and I want them to be all in and committed here. And so we're going to dive into this book of Titus. And if you've got your Bibles or you're using the Pew Bible, would you flip with me here in this book of Titus? It's in the last of last about 10% of your Bible, 15% of your Bible. To give you a little bit of background on who Titus is, Titus is a Greek, okay? He's not a Jew. He didn't follow through the Jewish law. He didn't grow up doing all of the Jewish practices. He was different, okay? He would have been somebody that would have been outside of the chosen people of Israel or the people of God. He's a Greek, but he becomes a follower of Jesus, probably through the apostle Paul, because as Paul greets him here in Titus chapter 1, he says, to Titus, my true son in the faith, probably meaning that he became a spiritual son, if you will, being born again into uh, into what God was doing inside of, uh, of, of his life through, through the, the ministry of Paul. To get to know this guy a little bit, I'll give you some other background story. Titus is mentioned in four other books of the Bible. Here in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 16, it says this. Paul is writing, he says, Thanks be to God who put it in the heart of Titus. The same concern that I have for you. For Titus not only welcomed our appeal, but he is coming to you. And he says this. He kind of lets us have a little peek. He's coming to you with some enthusiasm. Titus has got some energy. Titus has some passion. Anybody like being around happy people? Enthusiastic people? Not people that are like depressed and bummed and, you know, like, hey, how's your day going? Terrible. Yeah, mine too. Let's just talk about how terrible life is. He's like, man, when Titus comes, he comes with some energy and some enthusiasm. And it's on his own initiative. Like, Titus actually wants to be there, okay? And so whenever he shows up, he wants to be there. You ever work with people, maybe even yourself? Like, you show up to work, you're like, I don't even really want to be here right now. Man, um, it's tough to coach kids like that. Do you even want to be here? Like, why did you sign up? Mom made me. Oh, cool. Um, so then you're the coach, and you're like, oh, so what it is is it's two hours of babysitting um, is what it becomes. And so Titus actually wants to be there. In verse 18, we are sending along with him the brother who is praised by all the churches for his service to the gospel. What is more is he is chosen by the churches to accompany us as we carry the offering. So this is interesting. So they're going to receive an offering here, and we're trusting. So Titus is trustworthy that he's going to be the one that's going to transfer this probably financial gift that has come, that he's going to help administer this in order that, that, the, that the honor of the Lord himself and to show our eagerness to help. We want to avoid any criticism of the way that we administer this liberal gift. He's basically saying Titus is trustworthy. For we're taking pains to do what is right, not only in the eyes of the Lord, but also in the eyes of man. In addition, we are sending them with our brother who has often provided us in many ways that he is zealous. Here's another great word. We're going to define this man. He's got some zeal. And now even more so because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he's my partner. He's my co-worker among you. Okay, so Paul, he assigns Titus to go to the island of Crete, which is in Greece. 
okay? Crete and Greece, you all, you all want to go on a mission trip with me to a really cool looking place? Check out what Crete and Greece looks like now. We got to show the pictures of this. Oh, M gosh. Now, it probably didn't look like this in Titus's day, but they've had a little bit of uh, growing out of the ancient world to where the, the island of Crete in Greece has some of the most fantastic beaches ever. So in 2024, we can go to Guatemala or we can go to Greece. Pick your G place. Um, but I might want to check out Crete. Here's what it looks like today. But here is part of the reason why they thought that this would be a good place. It was, it was full of all kinds of sin and wickedness and all kinds of stuff that was going on. But it was a port city. It was a harbor city. Five harbors came through Greece. It's really, it's a tiny, thin, it's only like 30 miles wide is all, is all the, the, the wider that it is. It's just this long strip of gorgeous beaches. But as a harbor city, people were coming and people were going. And Paul said this would be a great place to spread the gospel. As people are coming in, they can hear the gospel. They can have an encounter with Jesus. And then they're launched out and they're able to send the gospel message around the world. Paul had a very strategic reason for why he wanted to be on this little island. Isn't that fascinating? So from his point of view, he's seeing, he's like, I have a good leader, a confident leader, an enthusiastic leader. How many of y'all know so much stuff rises and falls on leadership? It does. It rises and falls on good, passionate, like, like leaders that can lead with some zeal and with some passion. So he puts him in this place of Crete, okay? This word, this Greek word, kretizo, was a word that they would have, that they would have used. Um, this Greek word, it means if you're a liar. To be a liar means kretizo, but it literally means to be Cretan, okay? If you're from Crete, you're a liar. And they made up words to say that you were, you were a liar if you came from Crete. The kretizo is the Cretan. Um, they're infamous for treachery and for greed um, as a port city, probably pirates and people that are stealing and, and robbing from these ships. But this was the place where the gospel could spread quickly through the Mediterranean. Paul writes his letter to Titus. And while we don't know all of the exact details of what's going on, we read that the church came under the influence of false teachers or leaders started infiltrating these house churches um, and bringing corruption into the leaders. So Paul starts speaking to Titus here in chapter 1 on leadership. And so they thought that these were Christian leaders, but they begin to ruin these early churches. So Paul is sent there literally to straighten out the church. And so we see some of this instruction. And second. Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 5, Paul writes about Timothy, or I'm sorry, about Titus again in verse 5. He says, For when we came into Macedonia, meaning that Titus has been traveling with Paul often. So Titus and Paul, they're connected. They, they, these, these guys are ministry buddies. We had no rest. We were harassed at every turn, conflicts on the outside and fears within. But God who comforts the downcast, he comforted us. By the coming of Titus. He said, when Titus rolled up in here, man, we were encouraged. 
We were comforted. When he made his way and he walked around the door, this is what, this is what the, the image that I have in my mind. This would be Titus, okay? Y'all are sucking wind. Life is exhausting. You're not enjoying life. You're, you're, there's turmoil all on the outside and there's fear from within. And guess what happens? Around the corner, hey guys, I'm Titus. And I'm here to, to lift your head and encourage your heart and to speak to your spine. We got this. We can do it with some enthusiasm and some zeal. This is who we get a little peek of who Titus is. Paul said, man, he comforted us. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort that you have given him. He told us about your longing for me and your deep sorrows. So then Titus starts saying, but Paul, they love you. And they long to be with you. Titus is like a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. He's an encourager of the heart. He's keeping Paul going. Paul wrote this, probably wrote the letter to Titus in about A.D. 63. So this would have been between two imprisonments. Paul was imprisoned in Rome multiple times. And between two of them, he writes this letter to Titus. So Titus shows up while Paul is being shipwrecked and imprisoned and life is being taken from him. And he encourages him. Your ardent concern for me so that my joy was greater than ever. <laughs> Guys, can you imagine if you go into your job and they say, when this guy shows up, I'm so encouraged, I'm so comforted, and my joy has never been more full than when this guy rolls up in here. Wouldn't that be cool for that to be said about you? Paul had some good leaders around him. Barnabas, who was the encourager, Titus, who was full of zeal and passion and an encourager. We see this happening here. And so he puts, he puts Titus in Crete. He says, you've got to be here. I want you to engage the culture. I want you to be fully going after this place. We've got some, some, some shaky leaders. So we've got some bad teaching that's going on. And I need you to set straight what's going on inside of our churches here. We see also in Galatians chapter 2, it talks about how Paul had rolled with Titus for a while. So here we go, Titus chapter 1. That's our introduction, and we've got five minutes to go. <laughs> Titus chapter 1. Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. And the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie. Interesting, because they were having a lot of false teachers that were lying to people. And the main lie that was being said was you've got to continue in this Jewish law. You have to perform. You have to, you have to do certain things in order for you to be accepted by Jesus. And so the biggest lie was follow the law rather than to accept Jesus as your personal Savior. We no longer need the law. We need to live right, but we just need to follow into the grace of Jesus, asking him to forgive us of our sin. And the work of the cross is, a, is enough. So he says, God's not a liar. And he promised before the beginning of time, in which now at his appointed season, he has brought to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God, our Savior. So Paul just kind of reads his resume real quick. He says, I'm allowed to speak to you because my resume says this, and God backs me. I know who I am, and I speak with authority. To Titus, my true son in our common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Savior. 
Isn't that cool? Whenever a spiritual father releases a spiritual blessing, he says, I speak grace over you and peace over you in his letter. Now, while this is a personal letter to Titus, it's also very much able to be read in the assembly of the church for the blessing of so many other people. Verse 5, the reason that I left you in Crete, he'll be like, that would have been helpful. Yeah, let me know, Paul. Why did you leave me in Crete? Was that you might set in order what was left unfinished and appointed leaders in every town as I directed you. Now, I want you to notice a key verb here in verse 5. Epidioro otho. Okay? This is this Greek word. Okay? Let's check this out. Do you see this? Epidor ortho, it means to put or to set. Just check out the end of that word, ortho. Anybody ever gone to Indy ortho? Anybody need some ortho right now? It means that to, to, to reset a bone or to set into place like, an, like orthopedics, your back, your knees, ligaments, alignment. It means to align, to get an alignment, to get an adjustment. See if I can, oh, oh, I think that did more damage than good. Um, get a little twisted. Or an orthodontist. When we go in, when our teeth look like this, they're going to set straight our teeth. Ortho. So he says, here's what I need you to do. You're going to do some orthopedics on the leadership team in these churches. And so as a leader, I'm setting you in place as a leader to set straight. So let's read this. Let's read this again. The reason that I left you there in Crete was so that you could set in order what was left and it's unfinished. You need to appoint elders in all of these little places in every town as I'm going to direct you. So we're, we're talking leadership here. There's a way that a doctor can take a bone and he can realign. He can set things into place. There's a way that a coach can walk into, and it has nothing to do with performance, has everything maybe to do with inner culture in the locker room, and you're able to reshift and to set into place attitude, bring an alignment. My dad used to tell me, he says, your, your attitude needs, needs an adjustment. You need an attitude adjustment, and I'm about to adjust you right now. I'm going to crack you and break you and adjust you and twist you and torture you until you become obedient. I need to set straight your thinking. You need an attitude adjustment. Maybe it's a, it's a, it's a leader in a town or in a community or on a board, and you walk in and you say, hey, we need to go in a different direction. I need to set some things straight. When a coach walks in, things are out of order, and we need to bring them back into Order. So we're talking leadership stuff here. Verse 6, an elder must be, and then he lays out, and I want us to really pay attention to this. He doesn't talk about skill set. He doesn't talk about how slick you are. He doesn't talk about how good you are necessarily in business or in organizational skills or in leadership skills. He speaks to character. He, speak, he goes straight to the center of the man. What's the, the spine that this person has? An elder in the house. He must be blameless, faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. He says you need to rule your own house, well, your own heart first, be blameless. You need to live holy. You need to live with some character and some integrity. Then you need to have your house together. 
you're faithful to your wife, you raise good kids that aren't running around and all disobedient, and that says that they're wild and disobedient. You, you can't lead in the, in the church if your kids are like that, is what he's saying. Since an overseer, he manages God's household, he must be blameless. And so he's speaking, he's saying, hey, Titus, do you see these guys? Do you see the corruption that's going on in the church? We need to kind of, we need to make sure that we're picking character over skill or over something flashy. Not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. But rather he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and he needs to be disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine. This guy better know his Bible. He needs to be a man that studies the Word of God and he can refute those who oppose it. For there are many rebellious people full of meaningless talk. Here's what's going on, Titus. There's a lot of meaningless talk going on in this church. Deception, especially those around the topic of circumcision. That would have made my ears perk up. What? Uh, circumcision just about around kids? Like, surely not me as, as an adult. Like, we're past that sort of stuff, Paul, right? Like, I know you've done that to Timothy. That, I heard about that one. That one hurt. Um, but especially around the topic of circumcision. So check out what Paul does. Because there was such a movement that says you've got to act right and you've got to do all this Jewish law in order to be accepted. What, what Titus should have done then, even being 30 years old, he should have gotten circumcised. Medicine wasn't up to where it is now. All right? I don't know what kind of a knife they would have used, but it would have freaked me out for this moment. And while Paul did it to some of his other spiritual sons, he chooses not to do it to Titus. And Titus was like, whew, I'm enthusiastic now. I'm like pumped about this. And check this out. And it's because he wanted to prove a point with Titus's life. I'm going to not circumcise this guy just to prove to you that he doesn't have to do all the Jewish law and he's still accepted by Jesus. Galatians chapter 2, I'm just going to jump over there real quick. It says, after 14 years, I went up to Jerusalem, and this time I was with Barnabas. I took with us Titus. I went in response to a revelation and meeting privately with those esteemed leaders. I presented to them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure that I was not, um, that I was not running and not had been running my race in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me. Now check this out. Not even Titus was compelled to be circumcised, though he was Greek. So if you're going to be into the Jewish faith, which was the Judaism, then you would be circumcised. And he goes, I'm not going to do it. This matter arose because some false believers infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus and to try to make us be slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel would be preserved. Isn't that interesting? This is so good. Is anybody seeing this with me? The church is corrupt. You've got to obey all these laws, laws, laws. And Paul comes in and goes, no, 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 no. 
We're going to set straight this leadership team. And we're going to be sharp and sound in our doctrine. And we're going to refute anybody that opposes that. We're going to put some good leaders in place, not overbearing, but really good life-giving leaders that's going to cause this church to come alive. Are you ready, Titus? And you're going to be the picture that you don't have to do all of the law in order to be accepted by Jesus. We're going to go by faith through grace. So jump back here to verse 11. Here's some other qualities. Um, this group that was all about the circumcision, he goes, they must be silenced because they are disrupting the whole household by the teaching things that ought not to be taught for the sake of dishonest gain. And then look at, ch check out Paul. He's got a little trash talking in here. One of Crete's own prophets has said it. Cretans are always liars. They're evil brutes and they're lazy gluttons. Talk about a culture. That's your cult. This is what Crete's Cretes are lazy, they're gluttons, they're liars. Wow, this saying is true. Can you imagine if your pastor pinned that about his community? <laughs> I'm not going to do it, but imagine. I'm just saying, imagine. That's a pretty rough word that Paul just does. And he says, We've got to stop this. This saying is true, therefore, rebuke them sharply so that they can become sound in the faith. Pay no attention to the Jewish myths. Or to the merely the human commands or those that reject the truth. To the pure, all things are pure. To the corrupt and who do not believe, there is nothing that is pure. In fact, both their minds and their consciousness, they are corrupted. They claim to know God, but their actions deny them. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. So here's how we begin the book of Titus. We understand what's going on in Crete and what the Cretan people were like. And Titus is now put into this place. And you need to be an ortho. And Titus, you've got a challenge as a leader to set some things straight. In the coming weeks, um, I'm going to teach another week on, on Titus. Pastor Andrew is going to teach another week on Titus. And we're going to dive into who was this young, passionate, fiery, all in on his culture and community sort of guy that wanted to make an impact. And here's our takeaway today. What is hanging on your leadership? Is it your home? Is it your family? Is it the culture? Is it your business? Is it young people that you're raising up? And can they see you as a passionate zealous, encouraging. Man, when he walks into the room, my joy has never been greater. Man, he's a little bit wild, too, because he pushes back on the law. Oh, he's kind of wild, and he's fun, and he's a go-getter. And, and I want you to think of one thing right now that you can shift in your leadership. What is it? What's that one thing? Maybe it's to be the encourager. Maybe it's to see the positive, even when it looks bleak. It looks like it's full of lazy gluttons and liars. And you're saying, okay, let's do this. And I'm going to show up with joy and life and energy. What is it in your leadership right now that we can shift? Church, if I can come in and do a little ortho and set, reset your thinking, I'm going to go into my Crete. I'm going to go into my marriage. I'm going to go back into my home. I'm going to go into my business. I'm going to my department, my job. 
And how am I going to start bringing life to this place? What is it that I'm going to do as a call from God to realign and to give it a little bit of an adjustment so it can look a little bit more like heaven? Mm. I know we've got a lot of influencers in here, people that are in business. I know we've got a lot of people that are in dugouts and locker rooms. We've got a lot of people that are department head leaders in here. We've got people that serve on the town board. We've got people that influencers and say, Jesus, here am I, use me. Here am I, send me. God, let me be the, the, the biggest life giver, the biggest encourager, that when I step into this place, man, we just comfort and lift and encourage everywhere we go. That's who we're going to be as Titus. Let's pray. Jesus, we just ask you this morning that you would set straight, that you would realign, that you would do something in us. We just pray over mamas right now. They would bring some energy and life into that home. We pray over fathers right now, Jesus, that they would be the number one encourager and comforter. We pray that, that fathers would not be overbearing and not quick-tempered, not easily angered. We pray over leaders and their division that they would be faithful to their spouse. They would raise sharp and excellent kids. Father, we're praying for leaders like, like Titus was raising up leaders. God, we pray for a house, for an entire church that would be leaders, that would shine in our community, that our children would shine and radiate wherever we go as they walk through the schools, as they sit on the bus as they go into their sports teams. God, I pray that your face would shine upon them, that they would have favor wherever they go. God, we're praying that in this house that you would raise up strong leaders in this place. God, we pray for strong elders, people that sit on different committees and boards that have the mind of God and the heart of God, that lead with the compassion of Christ, that have the vision of God for our community and that we would make a difference everywhere we go. We honor you and we bless you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we're so glad that you were with us today. You can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or your preferred podcasting app. Be sure to rate us so other people can know about the podcast.